Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. Well, hello, everybody. This is Damon Pastalka with Andrew Cross here again today on the Exit Airway Business Roundtable. With us, we've got Walter Crosby from Helix Sales Development. Welcome, Walter. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you having me here. All right. Well, we're on a couple minutes late today, and Andrew and I are going to try to get us over onto LinkedIn and drop the or get the links into the people on LinkedIn so they can see us live. But uh, we're a couple minutes late because we we're actually just laughing with Walter. I, I I hope you enjoy talking with Walter as much as we do because um, Walter is a true sales professional. Uh, he's been in this a, a couple days, and we are really happy to be able to talk with him. And uh, the the thing that that I I think I'd like to start out with Walter. Can you kind of explain to us a little bit of you know? how you figured out that you wanted to be in sales and then how you figured out that you wanted to work and help people with sales management. Um, two, okay. Uh, two different, two different questions. So let me start with the first one, the easy one. Yeah. Um, I got into sales the same way a lot of other people got into sales. It was sort of, I just kind of tripped into it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I didn't, I, I got an economics degree in college, so I didn't go to business school. So that doesn't qualify you for co corporate America. Um, so an economics degree allows me to read the Wall Street Journal, understand what's going on, understand the difference in interest rates and, you know, bond rates, how all that works together. But it doesn't really prepare you for anything other than grad school and sales. Um, so I, I just sort of tripped into it and, and, and just enjoyed trying to help people solve problems. And that's really, to me, what it's about is that, you know, whatever, whatever product or service that I've sold in the past, it was trying to find somebody that I could add value and help them. And sort of the, the string that my career is gone. That's it, part of the career is you always got to try to figure out a way to help people. And if you're doing that, then the sales process is fun and rewarding for everybody. Very cool. And in terms of your second question, I, I, I really got into sales management during my career for the same reason that a lot of sales managers become sales managers is that you're a good salesperson, you're a top salesperson. So the boss thinks that you can manage the rest of the salespeople. The and sales process is fun and rewarding for everybody. So um, in terms of your second question, so I'm getting an echo. I really yeah. got into sales management. Oh. My career for 
All right, Andrew, do you have the they have the volume on on your LinkedIn? I think mine. Because, there we go. We're bad good. enough to hear me once. I don't want people to hear me twice. Yeah. Uh, so sales management, I fell into that because I got promoted because you're a top salesperson. They figure you know how to manage the rest of the salespeople. So you get promoted into that. And, you know, my friends who were salespeople and competitors would be like, why would you want to go manage a bunch of people like us? It's, it's just a bucket of headaches. And, you know, how are you going to do that? And it happened to me a couple of times in my career. And I, I sort of enjoyed the challenge to, to figure out how to get other salespeople to follow a process, to you know, create that accountability, all the things that sales management is. So I, I didn't have a great plan coming out of college that I was going to do these. I just sort of tripped into it. And uh, yeah. the bar for sales is pretty low, luckily for Walter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, Andrew. Did you have yeah, no, and I, I think this is great because, you know, we had talked with you before and if you're, you want to get into it a little bit, you know, one of the, I think one of the biggest frustrations uh, that we come across from our clients or even ourselves in our careers is, is getting, you know, getting the right people in the right seats or, you know, those sales teams. It's really a, you know, a trial and error and a, a, a lot of roadkill along the way and a lot of frustration on both sides. You know, I mean, yeah. So, you know, uh, if you could share a little bit about, you know, how do you how do you do it? How do you find the, you know, how do you how do you find salespeople? How do you get them there? What's the secret, Walter? <laughs> um, it's hard. I think that's that's not a secret. It's a difficult process, and I, I think the the most challenging part of it is is for the, when a business owner believes that somebody needs to have industry experience. There's times when that's important, when it's a highly technical piece. But I would argue that if somebody's in that sales role and they're trying to develop new business, that you could bring in somebody later that has the technical skills to help demonstrate competency for the company. But it's really about finding somebody who will sell in your marketplace to your decision makers with your price points against your competition. And if you don't have a strong process to get there and you, and you don't have a way to evaluate the various candidates against a standard and against each other, how do you know you win? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we follow a process when, when we're asked to help uh, find salespeople. It, it starts with writing what is called the Shackleford ad. Um, and Shackleford was a the guy that was, he was from Britain he, and he was going to go explore um, Antarctica. And so he wrote an ad that was three or four lines long. I can't quote it, but it was like low pay, very dangerous uh, conditions may not come back alive, but great rewards, right? So he, 
he sold this position on by attracting the right people that wanted to live on the edge, that wanted to wanted some glory and were willing to risk it all to get there. So you take that concept and you write an ad for a salesperson so that when they read that ad, it just it's describing them. Yeah. You want them to be able to say that that's me. I do that. Wow, that I do that too. And this really sounds like me. Maybe I should apply for this. So the hmm. idea is you're attracting the right people to 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 come towards you, to come towards that role that you're trying hmm. to fill. Um, so that's really the first piece of it. And it, it's really where a lot of companies will go wrong. Yeah. In that they write out job responsibilities and accountabilities. Yeah, exactly. That's what the job, that's what a job ad is you say well this is what you're going to be doing and you know these are your responsibilities and you got five people that are you know you got 27 accounts or whatever in this region of the united states and that that and that but what you're saying is you you're speaking to the person so that if they uh, if they connect with that then they would be more likely to respond to it is what you're trying to do yeah well you're trying exactly but you're trying to attract the people that you're looking for so that ad needs to be written in a way that describes the individual and and what their attitude, what their behaviors, what their you know the activities that they're used to. And mm -hmm. I'll give you an example that you're you talk a little bit about the marketplace in your industry. You talk about who your who that person needs to call on. So if they they need to call on CEOs of mid market companies with employees of 10 to 200. So that's something that a, that a salesperson can think, well, well I, I do that. Yeah. I'm going to read on a little bit mm -hmm. and they're going to, you know, you're going to say, you know, we, we sell on value. We don't sell on price. And you, you sort of get into the philosophy of, of what it is you're looking for, what it is you want them to do. And it, it's, it's a, it's a narrative rather than a bullet points of, yeah, all this boring crap that you that you normally see. So you stand well, out just by looking different. But yeah. we've been talking a lot with um, in, in in other sessions and some of our roundtables, uh, you know, on, uh, with a lot of our consultants working on you know core values, and you know deeper than and beyond the mission statement. Is this it, are you you going into that kind of level? So they, you know, we were trying to figure out, okay, what's you know what's the what's the role in that to assess, you know, potential hires, you know, and, you know, sales included, it could be, you know, anybody on your team. Right. So, I, and I then really understanding your true, your core values, it, honestly understanding them. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the salesperson has to have integrity and, and on all of those ethics, right. That's gotta be the, a minimum standard. But if you're talking about cultural fit, Andrew, is that what you're thinking here? You're kind of alluding to oh, when you when you mentioned the fact that, you know, instead of just bullet points, you know, you're actually saying, you know, when I read this, oh, yeah, that's me. You know, I'm going to be that, you know, that's a place I would I would fit. Right. So yeah. which me kind of brings me back to the core values. Right. Too, do we share that? You know, necessarily. And I, I I'm bringing this up here. You know, I'm very curious about it because I've missed it so many times when I'm on the hiring. Yeah. Line. <laughs> I think that there's an element of that when you're describing what it is you're looking for, 
And for a salesperson, I wrote an ad recently for, for someone that, you know, this salespeople had a bad reputation within the organization, right? Because yeah. everybody thinks we're lazy and, and that, you know, we just go to three hour lunches and we play golf. So, you know, well, what we do, we, yeah, well, it's irrelevant. We still got to get the job done. Um, the, the, but the, the point is, is that you, you need them to be team players. You need to, they need to be able to bring something to the table and realize that's an important part of the role, but it doesn't stop there. You, you have to be able to fulfill the rest of the needs of the organization. You got to help operations. You're help, you know, making sure marketing understands what it is that you're you're working with and when those leads are right and when they're when they're a little bit off, and and how that messaging all fits with your sales collateral. But you you have to be able to help finance, right? Because you if you need purchase orders or deposits in whatever that company needs. So that teamwork aspect of it, I think, is part of of the ad that you're you're an important role but you're an important role within many roles and we have to work together. I think that's, that that's often left out where the salespeople are these little mavericks that are running around and, 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 and there's an element to that, right? We need to have that be willing to go out and, 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 and work in the world on our own and, and, you know, hunt and come back with, with, uh, with the, the meat that everybody else is going to, work mm-hmm. with but you but you when you come back you got to be able to help everybody else you got to make sure you've given the data you got to make sure you're communicating everything um and it's it's i think that's part of that and it's part of what we put in the ads yeah oh, yeah. yeah and you know i thought i saw a statistic once that to the average you know um executive level sales person you know, life cycle with a, with a company, at least in the job aspect was, you know, around 18 months or so. Yeah. Yeah, Which is a, you know, and it's even gone down, you know, uh, turnover 14 months. Is that just because they're getting it, they aren't getting it right. It's the wrong people. They don't, or is it, you know, what's going on there? I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. And it seems to me, if you're really in sales, you don't care because you just go on to the next thing. But well, if, if a VP of sales or the a sales leadership role in general, um, there, there's a different set of skills for that person than a sales manager. Yeah. There's a different set of skills from the sales rep, the sales person, the business development person. That, that VP needs to be able to think more strategically and make sure that the tactics that are, are, are in alignment with that strategy and that they're they're carrying the message from the leadership team all the way through the sales organization, and that's different than the the sales manager who's basically giving taking those those orders and those tactics and making sure that they're being executed, and they're coaching the salespeople and they're making sure that that the the role of the of the salesperson is supported. So, you know, you're you're looking at different sets of skills in those in those three pieces, right? Sales managers, sales leadership, and salespeople. They're they're different um, different skill sets. So I think why that the lifespan is so short is 
probably a, a, a couple of things, but what would jump out at me is the, the CEOs have a very short window of, you know, trying to create success. Yeah. And that person is a natural fall, fall person, right? If, if sales isn't cutting it, we can get rid of this person, get a new one in. And it just kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't connect. So there's usually a, a connection between leadership of the organization and the sales leadership. They're not on the same page and they're, they're, they're hiring somebody who thinks can execute a strategy and create a strategy. And that, that, that piece is missing that bridge. And it's really important that they're able to pull that out of the CEO um, and, and understand really what the, what the mission is and then how that strategy fulfills the mission and then the tactics. So they, they really have to bridge a, quite a gap on both sides, right? They're a little island that's trying yeah. to satisfy two sides of it. And mm -hmm. it's an even more difficult role than sales management. So do you think that they, that, that time frame is because they can't get the clear direction or it can't, or, or there's some inherent leadership problems in the business itself that are, that are overall, but it's just being manifested through sales, you know, the high level sales turnover, because that's a, that's the scapegoat in the whole thing. There's a bit of the scapegoat piece of it, but it, it also comes back to competency. If we're, if we're going to be candid, um, sometimes those people get put into that role for political reasons in that they're, you know, they're, yeah. They've had a track record of success at a different level, not dissimilar from salespeople to sales managers, right? There are different levels of skills and competency that's required. And if you don't have that leadership component and that ability to, to, to manage the managers and provide that strategy, you're, you're, you're going to fail. Um, it's just a shorter window um, than, than sales managers because hmm. – CEO is buffered, you know, they don't talk to the sales managers of, to, to any significant level. Yeah. So it, it comes down to, to competency in leadership and strategy. And, you know, we're able to help evaluate that person, see if they have those competencies and where their strengths and weaknesses lie in that area. And the CEO needs to take some responsibility to coach that person. They yeah. Need to or assign somebody to coach that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be successful. Yeah. Cause I think, well, I, that, you know, that lack of communication or, you know, it kind of interests me a little bit there too, because the salespeople are talking to the customer directly. Are we tone deaf? Is that a strategic, you know, flaw off there? And, you know, another reason that, you know, we're not listening. Well, salespeople, may not be listening to really what's happening. They may not be really listening to what that, um, what that prospect or what that customer is saying. So there's a, a problem there. And then communicating that up to their management level. And if that management is not savvy enough to see that there's some truth and some value there, then they got to be able to kick that back up, you know, so on and so forth. So, Communication is always an issue. Doesn't matter if you're in business or at home or your kids, doesn't matter. Communication is the root of, of most of these problems that somebody's not listening and it 
your your point is is valid that the salespeople needs to be need to be listening to that prospect and to that customer to be able to take that intelligence back up the food chain and share yeah. it and yeah. be respected yeah. enough to do it. Well, and then, and also, you know, if they're doing that, it needs to be heard up there too. I think that's one of the experiences I see uh, quite a bit is the the upper management is not listening to the customer, and that's that that's that's often the case. And sometimes the filter is the problem. But I, I mean, I've been in situations where we were rolling out a product as as a, as I was a salesperson. We were rolling out a product that was going to be launched in three months. And, you know, as salespeople, we were telling the R&D guys, um, this is close, but it's not what they want. This is not different enough Mm -hmm. from what we were doing. Right. This isn't solving the real problem that we told you about. Yeah. And in that situation, the R&D guys were the smart guys and we were just dumb salespeople. Um, so, you know, it, it took a while for them to, for it, it had to fail yeah. and they had to, they actually had to, we had to drag them out, put them in front of a customer and let the customer say what we'd been telling them for six months. Yeah. But, so, so there's that too, right? That, yeah. the, that the, the filter is just not willing to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes back again to what you hear day in and day out. If anyone's talking about marketing or anything, it's really understanding and listening to your customer. I don't care what you're talking about uh, on the front end of a business, but that's the focus of everything. And, and, you know, it, it really, the, one of the things that, that we've done in the last year, that's, that's really interesting is when you start to really, when you think about your customer, and get very, very deep in detailed and ask questions of them about challenges and different things. You don't know them nearly as well as you thought you did. And, and, and that's really a challenge for, for salespeople is that they, they typically will not dig deep enough. Yes. They don't ask enough questions. Mm-hmm. They don't ask the tough questions and they don't they don't ask those those questions that make the customer feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I, that's where you're getting to the truth. Um, and so you have to be able to go there and then you have to be able to listen to what's being said. Mm-hmm. I always I always tell salespeople a, a discovery conversation with or discovery meeting with a prospect is literally a conversation with another human being where you're curious about what is happening with them, what their problems are yeah. in the context of what it is that you do. So if you're if you approach it as simply a conversation where you're curious, it's not any different than having, you know, a beer with a friend yeah. and it's like you did what? Why would you do that, right? It, it's the words are different but the concept is the same and it's just getting comfortable having that meaningful, deeper conversation, like you said. So you really pull it out and then hope that somebody else is listening to what, you know, what you need to, to be able to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to do. I, mean, oh, yeah. I think, you know, people on the, 
you know, uh, if you've gone through it a few times, I think people under, you know, just think, oh, well, that's, you know, they're going to be able to tell you, you know, right away. And it's, it's really hard to, A, you know, make a connection like that and really peel up. I have to kind of be relentless about it, you know, yeah. to get the truth, to get really get the answer, really get the truth. Well, okay? even in our own sales process, I mean, we've, we've worked on ours and, and Jeffrey Graham helped us in the, in the beginning and, and others continue to help us refine it. But, when, when we talk to people about our sales process, they often go, wow, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time you spend with, with someone before you even give them a, an estimate or even tell them that we can work together. But, it's, but we're very deliberate about asking almost too many questions about, you know, in-depth things that people go, well, why are you asking about that? But it uncovers so much when you do that. Well, and those when you get to that level of, of depth, you you start to see how everything fits together. You see yeah. how all of these pieces are connected. And typically, if you've done a discovery process really well, that prospect should be viewing their problem or viewing the way they're going about their business differently. They should see that this is a a bigger issue than they thought. If if wow. if you're doing if you're able to help them, sometimes there's point. not a fit, right? If if you're having yeah. a conversation and everything's great, yeah, you can't help them. You can't force something onto somebody. Yep. If there's not a problem that you can solve, you, next, you can't you can't force that. And I think that's where some salespeople that are inexperienced get get sideways. Because they think they have to sell every every prospect, and every prospect isn't a customer, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're looking to disqualify them as quickly oh, yeah. as possible. You know, it, you know the way I was taught. You, if you're going to get a no, do you want to do that at the beginning or after you've done a bunch of work and spent a lot of time over here, right? I don't want to do a proposal to get a no. I want to, I want to know over here. And then there's no guarantee, right? You could still get the yeah. no, but at least you're understanding that everybody's on the same page and you're uncovering the information. And if somebody's not willing to share what it is that you need, maybe they're not, a, they're not qualified. Yeah. Or not yeah. ready. Yeah, it, and not ready. And in our case, there's a lot of information that we ask for. And just just in how long it takes to prepare that information and get it back to you tells us a tremendous amount about that client and whether or not they're going to be able to do what we want to do. Right. If, you know? if, if they can't um, if they can't produce that document or know relatively quickly, there that that gives you a lot of data. Oh, it's, it's huge. It's huge. You know, sure. and, and uh, especially if we're doing something that's going to be financial with them as far as working with their anything financially, if it takes them forever to, to produce, you know, simple financial statements, we know that there's a lot to do under underlying to what we're um, what we're going to get ourselves into. Yep. And uh, it tells yep. us an awful lot. But that is that is, you know. Sometimes people think they have to sell their stuff or whatever they're doing, you know, but it really is uncovering the challenges 
and and if your solution is a fit to it and then talking about how the world is with your solution or i'm not saying it right but that was a big realization for me well you're so if you're selling a widget right and i don't care if the widget is a promotional products or uh capital equipment it's still a widget yeah and if you think back about you know back in the 70s 60s and 70s you know the the companies needed that salesperson to deliver the information they needed to know the features and benefits you bought a car back then right how did you find out about the car's features right you, unless you went to the dealer today your all of that information is available to you on this uh, internet thing right yeah. and they they're they're already They've already done tons of research. They they know a lot of information. They may think they know something that you might have to help them see from a different perspective. Yeah. And you do that by asking questions, not by saying, I have a better widget. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's somewhat counterintuitive, but if you start talking about your product or you start talking about your service, you're you, you've you've diminished your ability to sell value yeah, to whatever yeah. that is yeah yeah well and sure. you mentioned one thing too that that is is really important in almost everything is building your value proposition with a potential customer and whether it's uh you're selling a car or a, a widget or a service you really need to be able to to build that value if if and otherwise you're just going to live on price and you have to position what you're doing you have to position what whatever your offering is in the context of that prospect in in outcomes that are meaningful to them mm -hmm. not about you know i got this cool feature it, it, my computer's faster than theirs their computer doesn't matter what is that what does that computer give that that prospect what is what is he or she able to do with that faster processing speed? yeah and, yeah. and you know you say this to a, a a younger salesperson but that that prospect doesn't care anything about you they don't care anything about your product they care about what you and that product can deliver to them yeah. And they'll, they'll care about you later. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, we talked about this once before, you know, if you, if that, if you're a salesperson and you need to be liked, that you're, that's what you're going to be worried about. And you're not going to be able to, to do what needs to be done. You're no. not going to be able to ask those tough questions. You're not going to be able to, yeah. to position your product in terms of that prospect in the, in the context that's meaningful to them. Yeah, that, yeah, we we did talk a little bit about this before we got on the air, but maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about yeah. the BS, right? Seeing, you know, be, being in this for a while, you know, and going through this process, you know, I don't know if we're jaded or not, but you know, <laughs> ability, the ability to, you know, what is BS? You know, get, seeing through the BS or being able to get rid of that, what does that do for you? for sales for sales. as salespeople what do we have what's the commodity that we have to protect 
is our time. Mm -hmm. And we can flitter away our time in any number of ways. So we don't need help from our prospects. We don't need to be doing busy work. We don't need to be writing proposals for people just because they ask. Yeah. Right. We, you know, we need to understand, you know, are they ready for a proposal? There's, you know, I, I have it in my head. I don't say it to people, but have they earned the right for that proposal? Mm-hmm. Cause that yeah. takes time. Mm-hmm. It's information. It's intelligence that they could go deliver. Are they going to just go show their current supplier and say, Hey, Walter's going to do this for this price. Uh, what are you going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's being able to, to, to go through that process and protect your time in the sense that you're trying to, to provide value to them. So if mm-hmm. somebody's if, if they want to buy on price, you know, I mean, I've learned a long time ago that how to handle that, um, it's just one of, you know, a half a dozen objections that we hear. Yeah. They're just packaged up differently. So you, you, you have to be able to protect your time and, and qualify these people to the best of your ability. And if you're really looking at it as I'm trying to add value, I'm trying to help them, you know, maybe they don't want your help. Okay. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe your product isn't a good fit. Um, yeah. In my career, I've told people, hey, look, what we have, it's overkill. You need this little thing over here and call my buddy Bob. He'll yeah. help you. And that, that comes back to you. Yes, it does. I mean, call it karma, call it whatever. Um, you've you've done the right thing. I just yeah. that's what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, actually, you know, you're finding out, do they really need it? You know, I, I, that's honestly, you know, it's a good question. You want to find that out. This is great. It's really interesting because I, I just went through this with a, a client who wanted evaluation and, and they, you know, I was telling them right from the beginning, you know, I was pretty sure they didn't need it. You know, yeah. it was going to be too expensive. It wasn't going to do what they thought it was going to do for them. And, you know, um, and I've had this happen before and, and they absolutely insisted no matter what I said to talk them out of it. Um, but you know, in this case, this was the right thing to do. They, yeah. As a professional, we, we need to, you know, to, to make sure that they understand that I, and and sometimes you have to really hold up a sign and say, you know, you're making a mistake. I, I mean, I, I was in, in the sign business for a while and this guy wanted this massive thing on the side of his building and he had it all pictured in his head and it's what he wanted. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. It's going to cost you $25,000, but I'm going to have to charge you 50. And he was like, what do you, why would you charge me twice as much? I'm like, well, because it's not going to work. You're going to hate it and you're never going to give me any referrals. And I, I built my business on referrals. What you really need is this thing over here on the right side of your building where all the eyeballs are, and that's going to cost you eight grand. And I had to literally convince him to spend less money Mm. (laughs) because it was the right thing to do. Uh Um, 
you know, we yeah. later were able to build off of that, but that guy became, you know, my referral buddy. He kept just telling people, he talked me out of spending $25,000. And that's what he would, that was his sales pitch for me. And I got, yeah. I got plenty of business. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really doing the right thing. Like you yeah. said. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, <clears throat> excuse me. That's, yeah, you really have to do, do, as you said, the right thing. And if it's not something that, that they're, they're going to need or, or it's going to fix their, their, or solve their challenge, you know, you do have to, if you want to, like you said, if you want the karma to come around, right, you need to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And now you, you mentioned something a little while ago that, that I thought would be interesting for us to, to cover is, is, you know, a good salesperson a stellar salesperson does not always make a good sales manager. And the, the situation that we run into a lot of times is the sales manager is simply the salesperson that has lasted the longest. And, oh, and, uh, but can you just hit a couple of the highlights that, that go, you're a great salesperson, but you might not be a good sales manager. Um, it's a good question. I mean, there's a, it, it's pretty in depth, but let me, let me try to break it down into simple. They're, they're simply different skill sets. Yeah. Right. Um, you've been on a, um, as a sales manager, I've been on sales calls with sales, sales reps, where my job as a sales manager is to observe maybe ask a little question here or there to kind of steer the conversation, but it's not to do, it's not to actually make the sale for that rep. Yeah. Because they don't learn something. So that if you're a good salesperson, your instinct is to jump in and save the day, right? To be the hero. And as a sales manager, that's not what the best thing to do is, you know, we need to, debrief that salesperson, coach them on, on what they should have done or what they could have done. You can, you can head some of that off at the past with a good pre-call plan as yeah. what's the outcome? What, how do we know we got a win here? How do we know if we got to where we need to go? So you, 50 to 60% of a sales manager's time is coaching. Mm. Right. I mean, I don't care what sport you've, you've played um we've all been coached yeah in as as a kid by our by our parents and in, by literal coaches mm. uh, so you you have to have that ability to to pause and and allow them a chance to learn and sometimes you know maybe they lose a deal maybe it's hopefully it's not a big one but you you got to give them some some chance to to, to spread their wings, make a few mistakes and try to coach them up on that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's about identifying what the plan is to achieve what, what we did well, you know, a debrief is really, really important coaching tool. Where yeah. you start with the end of the conversation. What, I mean, this is a tip for a sales manager. You debrief by telling your salesperson, Okay, you want to talk about this, the meeting that you had this morning. Great. What, how did it end and what's the next step? And the salesperson mm. inevitably wants to go to the beginning and tell you the fairy tale. Mm. <laughs> right? 
right? We've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want the fairy tale. I want what did you agree to do? What was that agreement that you made at the end of the at the call at the end of the meeting? Well, it was uh, really wishy-washy. Okay, that's problem number one. So we, you know, we can work backwards, you know, in that way. Allow me to ask the questions to help them see it. Another tip that's a counter to what good salespeople do is somebody asks you a question as a sales manager. You don't want to answer the question necessarily, right? Where's the file? You might want to answer that, but you know, how do I do this? You ask them five, six questions to help them, dis let them discover their, the answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they figure out the answer and they walk away like, Oh, I got it. All right, great. And they learn off and you, you've actually coached them. They've learned something that they figured out for themselves rather than you just saying, put these two pieces together and you, you have, you know, your answer. Yeah. Hearkening, so, uh, well, our old friend Jeff Graham, you know, you can, you can either teach him to fish or you can buy him a fish, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, that's literally, that, that, that's the, the mindset. But when, when you get promoted or you become a sales manager, I never got a book, a manager. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. the books are out there. There's a couple of great ones, but, you know, those were never presented with the, the new business card. You know, the assumptions were made. So those skill sets are are important for that sales manager to implement. So, I mean, fifty percent, sixty percent of their time, coaching, and then if they if they have the systems and processes in place, the the accountability is is the easy part, mm -hmm. right? Because you've tied their personal goal, mm -hmm. to a metric that you want them to achieve every day, every week, every month. So yeah. they want this, and I don't care if it's material or, you know, intrinsic, you know, they want some adulation or they want a new boat. I don't care. It still has to be tied to that metric. Yeah. They've agreed to do this. So that's the accountability piece becomes, becomes simple. The, yeah. the hard part is that some salespeople don't belong at the company in that role yeah and the sooner that's figured out it's the best for the customers the company the individual all of the individuals um, yeah yeah and those are those are some great i mean i i got some notes here what we what the topic was the key was the keys to sales management and you know i think you hit hit a couple of them in here um, they got to be coaching. They need to be teaching, and they need to. There's a lot of lot of review and feedback in the process, and making sure that people have clear metrics on what they're doing. I, I, those are just some some key things that are really good about sales management that you hit. I think. And you brought one up earlier. You talked about your sales process. So that's the other thing that's it's it's critically important. If there isn't a documented, staged, milestone centric process yeah that you can follow that you can teach that becomes common language how do you how do you do any process yeah yeah so the manager and the salespeople, i mean um on your experience too can 
is, is it really apples and oranges and you're either a sales person or your sales manager? Can you be both? Never do the paths cross? It, it well, does seem like a lot of people are, that's where a lot of things fall apart. When yeah. They, well, when you, if you're a sales manager, you've been, you've probably been a salesperson, right? Unless you're the CEO and trying to wear a different hat. Yeah. Right. That's really one of the terrible things that, that happened is instead of promoting their best salesperson, sales manager, and losing all that revenue and frustrating everybody, that's that sale, the CEO might, you know, step into the role and they might not have any experience and they don't have the time. So as a sales manager, you've probably been a salesperson. So there should be some empathy there. But what you don't have is that that management coaching component. And that's something you have to learn and you got to practice just like sales. Mm. It, it can work. I, I had to really, really work at it because um, it's incredibly frustrating. I mean, the old joke is it's like managing salespeople is like herding cats. Yeah. Um, and that's no fun. It's very tiring. So you have to have that system. You have to think differently as a sales manager as opposed to a salesperson. So it can be learned. It, it can be like like most most roles have some element that is um, trainable that you yeah. can learn. And, you know, there's plenty of books out there that, that can help you that you can still learn. You know, as an old guy like me, you, you can still learn. Mm -hmm. I learn every day. But if so, if you get promoted to that role or something that's been contemplated, you know, you, you need to you need help. Yeah, yeah definitely. How are we doing on time there, Damon? Are we? Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Right. <laughs> a couple other things. I mean, no, this is great because we were talking about the keys to sales management. And I mean, you're hitting them. You're hitting them. And, you know, it, the one that you just finished up on is sales process. And I didn't realize until we started and started working with other salespeople as well is like, you need to have a process. It needs to be, you know, contact number one is like this contact number two is like this contact number three is like this and and this is the goal of each one of those stages because as you said then i was wrapping it up with your debrief did you do what we do on the third call or the third interaction of or whatever you call it did you do the the two or three takeaways that you needed did you get that piece of information that process is so critical to make sure that it's consistent how do you know it's like a football field, right? Or a baseball diamond. You got to get the first base before you get the second base. You can't just run the third and come home. Yeah. Right? There's a process and you need to know where you are in the process. You need to know how many balls and strikes there are. So as to what you, what you're going to do, you're going to need to be able to, um, you know, if you're trying to steal second in baseball, right? There's certain things that you have to do. Yeah. So if you don't know what the what what success looks like, how do you know what it, when you get there? And then how do you know if you missed a step? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. A critical piece of a process is being able to understand the problem that they have and find that problem or pain or um, difficulty, whatever their issue is. But you can't just stop there. You have to be able to figure out how that how to monetize it. 
Yeah. If you don't know what that problem is costing them on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis, how do you leverage that later when somebody wants to spend some time thinking about it or looking at options? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a, you know, I was taught 25 years ago that you, your, your discovery process is like opening up the person's chest, pulling out their heart and showing them, like, see that little valve right there? That's not working right. That's got to get fixed. What would you like to do? It's a little, it's a little over the top. It's a little aggressive, but it makes the point that yeah. if you don't really help them see how important it is, whether it's money, time, or risk, one of those elements. If you can't leverage that, you're probably not going to be successful. Well, there's the skill I think too, right there. That's the connecting. Yeah. That's, you know, that's really when it gets down to it. And, um, and, and going back to a discovery, most importantly, if you're talking all the time and it's just the features and benefits, you're not getting the information you need to be able to connect the dots. And, uh, you know, that's, um, it, it, you're not going to get there. Yeah. You're, you're out of control when you're talking and you're, when you're listening you really have control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why the questions are important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there, if you were standing back and you were going to create, uh, if you're sitting in a company today, they don't have a sales process. Is, do you, I mean, you just start by taking your best people and asking them what they do and how many, you know, how, what the steps they take or, or how do you, I mean, where do you start? Um, that's exactly where I would start is go to the people that are being successful, developing new business, developing not, new business, yeah. not the people that are managing accounts, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a different, that's a different animal. It needs, yeah. it's, needed. it's important. But if you're looking at building a process for developing new business, you got to go find the people that yeah. are doing that. And when you find him or her, you basically sit down with them and you want to suck everything out of their head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have a process. Yeah. They just don't know it. Yeah. And to be able to pull that out of them through a conversation, um, it, you know, that gives you the nuance. <laughs> I have a, I have a sales process that is, is a five stages that, that works um, on its own to 90%. Yeah. And then we, we fill in that nuance. Yeah. You have a, a little bit of a discovery piece. You have a different way to start. You have a different way to end, right? But but the main part of that qualification, yeah, always asking the same things and getting those answers. Yeah. So if you if you find out what they're what they're doing on those top people, what they're doing on a on a regular basis, you're 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 off to the races. Yeah. Hmm. Good. Yeah, cause it's it's important because you know, uh, you see this all the time. I'm sure that you go into places that have been relatively successful, and there's no process anywhere. Happens all the time. Yeah, and and they they look at this, and it's a pretty daunting process, or ter- pretty pretty daunting task ahead of them to some to document a process and then really. Um, you know, start following that process and doing the sales management that they need to do. Uh, but it does, 
it does as as you've seen and proven in uh, a lot of the work that you do that's where you have to go to get to the next level of of effectiveness yeah it, it's really it, you can you can change revenue increase it by 15 to 18% by having a staged process that follows the buyer's journey that has is milestone centric that, that that fits with your market that will grow revenue if you get people to change their behaviors 15 to 18% if you don't do yeah. anything else don't yeah. do any training work don't do any coaching that and that comes from Harvard Business Review and Objective Management Group statistics is yeah I yeah. mean that so that is like it becomes the language it does it really does it really does. Even in our internal, when we talk about our sales process, we know we're on, we're, we're at our second interaction and this is what'll happen. We know this is what we do. This is what we do on the third interaction. These are the kind of questions, things we're talking about. It, it's, you get to that level of detail and it, it makes everyone understands what, what the, the objective is going into that meeting. And, and from the salesperson's perspective, or the sales manager's perspective, I would imagine that gives a lot of clarity in both of them. If I'm a sales manager with the salesperson in there, they know they both know what's supposed to happen in there. And the, and the accountability becomes, you know, pretty simple and the coaching becomes a little more clear. It's like, you know, we seem to be doing um, a poor job of digging into why this is a problem we're not getting enough of that why we're not understanding how much it's costing them yeah i had this conversation with a salesperson this morning that you know he he has trouble monetizing the problem because he's uncomfortable talking about money and he has a higher need to be liked so he doesn't want to make that person feel uncomfortable yeah so he has trouble asking those questions when you combine those two issues, it, it's a challenge. They have to really, they really have to be coached around that to, to elevate their game. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Well, well, this is fantastic, Walter. So tell us a little bit. You you you've got a new brand coming out for your company. I mean, and this is yeah. we're really talking about the stuff that you do for clients too. Love to hear it. Tell us tell us how you do it and how you can help people get their processes going and. And, and get the people in the right seat and you know kind of let's hear it that, that um yeah that's thank you the there's really two there's two areas like i call entry points if if a sales organization is is having trouble retaining their salespeople, so we call it churn yep so if they've got you know talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago they had 40% churn. And that's if when you really walk them through how much that costs. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know. And and then there's a the soft costs of of what it does to your customers when, you know, they got a new guy coming in or a new yeah. guy coming in with a business card. <laughs> now I got to reteach this person or, you know, it's just it looks bad. Mm. So when that happens, that's a place where we can help them reevaluate their hiring process, help them understand that hiring salespeople is different than hiring an engineer, is different than hiring an admin 
it's different than hiring anybody else in the sales organization because i mean this is an old joke but often a salesperson's best sale with the company is what happens in the interview mm -hmm. it's because they they know the product and they can kind of tell the story the way they want to and it's you know the interviewers are not as well trained at interviewing the salesperson they don't know how to look at a resume and say wow this is interesting you were top salesperson in the midwest region last year awesome how many salespeople in the midwest region oh it was just you <laughs> oh i mean and i'm not making that up that actually oh, yeah yeah so you got to be able to to call the bs where there's bs um you know when i look at a resume and i'm interviewing somebody i've already i've assessed them i've had a phone conversation with them my goal and this is what we teach is that that interviewing process should be a little uncomfortable for the sales candidate yes we want them to feel how the the, the customer and the prospects are going to treat them Mm -hmm. professional you know we're not we're not being mean but we're going to be we're going to ask tough questions mm -hmm. yeah. and we're going to point things out that that may be uncomfortable for them it's a test every question every interaction we're watching what they do um and it's not until the last interview where you bring in those two three candidates that you like and it's it's a final test right you you want to check out a couple of things and then that's where you sell the sizzle of the company and of the yeah. role. And that, that can be wildly different. So mm -hmm. we help them with that process to make, to, to reduce the churn, to get salespeople that will sell in that role. And we have a uh, 91% accuracy that if we recommend somebody using our yeah. assessment, that they're going to rise to the top half of that sales team in a year. Mm -hmm. And it's not just our tools. It's, it's the whole process and how you write the ad. It's all, it's yeah. all thing. the other, the other way we start is if, if a CEO is just frustrated that the sales organizations, the, their pipelines are forecast or crap and they're yeah. discounting them 20%. Um, they're frustrated that they can't get the team to do, um, to hold margins. They, they got a better product than their competitors, so they should be getting a better margin and the salespeople keep pushing that down. So if they're frustrated or concerned about some aspect of that, we can, you know, I approach it as like, we want to figure out what it is they need to know. Yeah. Can the team be more efficient? Can that team be more effective? You know, how much more effective can they be? that group yes um, and what resources are going to be needed to elevate them and what's that roi mm -hmm. i mean that's our approach is to be able to answer those questions for them mm -hmm. so we're, we're looking to give them information and then a then a then a strategy to solve the problems and then implement it we actually roll up our sleeves and go to work well, and that's that's what I've always liked about talking with you, Walter. There's a lot of people that'll put together a good plan, but that isn't worth shit unless you can get it implemented, you know. And I, it, and 
it just is. that's our whole philosophy. Yeah, it it's it makes it a um, it, it makes it a little bit more challenging, right? Because you're not walking away. You're just saying, yeah. you, you know, let's let's work together. Let's do this. Um, you know, they have to have commitment and desire to to do the work, right? If if that CEO, that business owner isn't committed to solving those problems, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that, that's one of the things that um, that that's you know yeah and in in our business as well that's qualification. If yeah. they don't, you know, we, for if I can't be successful um, because that person isn't committed or have the desire, then I don't want to start because it's it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, it too. This is and it's not necessarily because. You know, and again, and that's back to discovery and finding what they really want, you know, but it's really um, important to understand that, um, yeah, I mean, it, theoretically in their minds, they, you know, they want to have more sales, right? Who doesn't? You're going to have more sales, you're going to have more profit, you know, uh, but um, they're in our situation with small businesses, a lot of them, uh, there's a lot of risk that's associated with that. Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty comfortable kind of where they're at, you know. And it's good to find that out, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe. And then again, that gets back to maybe you don't need this. You don't need 20% year-over-year sales growth. You exactly. Fine when, with what you got. All that does is create more headaches. You know, I mean, it can. You know, it certainly can. And Or, you know, as it grows, it gets out of control. And, you know, our clients in particular are controlling people. <laughs> they like to be in control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we run into that too, but that's, um, we love working with, with, uh, you know, Walter, you know, fits in with the, the exit your way. And what we're trying to do too is, is, you know, in order it began because they come to us and the goal is to accomplish, you know, successfully selling their business and, you know, and for what they want for their business. Well, in order to do that, you got to listen to the buyer, which is now the buyer of the company. It's not your customers. It's not you're not selling your product anymore. And, you know, yeah, that that control you have and, and, and that kind of stuff may have worked for you. But a buyer is looking at it in a different way. And we found that, you know, buyers like anybody else, buyers are going to want to come in. And they want to see something and they want to buy into something that's going up. And, they want to see it go up and they want to know that what you're doing can be repeated. Exactly. And scaled in some cases, right? And scaled. Yeah. Repeated and scaled, both of it. Yeah. And that's why it's all you know, which is the same thing as being repeated, you know. So, you know, the, the, all, all the risks that they're identifying in their diligence process when they're looking under the hood before they buy a business, you know, um, it's so critical um, because, yeah, that that sales process that machine is highly valuable yeah uh, in the transaction to the buyer to have yeah. to have that and, and yeah. yeah you've really i i tell you this is i know that some people that listen to our videos are i go man you guys really get in depth about some of the topics we talk about but when me myself from running businesses before and listening to what you're talking about there's a lot of good nuggets in here about sales management, sales process, and what you need to do that. And then when we talk about the 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 
the difference in the way you hire a salesperson and your 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 process for that and the way that you actually qualify candidates not only i mean you do assessments on candidates you would do assessment on their existing salespeople to make sure this whole thing works together because it is so critical um i think there's a there's a lot of good in here and and we're we're running out of time here and i want to just make sure that if people are trying to get a hold of you walter where where are they going to do that where are they going to be able to find you um so we're 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 in the transition mode my my new website my new brand isn't on on the street so they can go to waltercrosby.com okay and there's plenty of ways on there they can go to linkedin they can look up walter crosby on linkedin yeah uh, and it, it's it really starts with a, a convert like how we met yeah it's like a 15 minute conversation yeah. to, to figure out if we should keep talking that's all yeah yeah well that's great i was i was thinking too that i was watching andrew with his michigan cup there you guys are <laughs> it, it was funny when when uh i saw that you're you're a detroit guy both of you guys are michigan grads it's uh uh interesting you were there at the same time it was funny when we uh initially connected on linkedin i don't know how the heck i saw michigan but you guys were there at the same time too yeah, yeah. i would I, he probably spent, Andrew probably spent more time in the library than I did. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> Maybe Rick's or, uh, um, I don't know, what, Charlie's? Charlie, good time Charlie's, yeah. yeah. The, pretzel, uh, the pretzel bell, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, that's, that's those great. Library, those were all like the library. You could go there and. Steve's Diner, Steve's Lunch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, you guys went to the same school when you say a name and the other person just laughs. Yeah, <laughs> something came to their head. It's it's one of the um, like my the guys that are part of my life. You know, for, from thirty years ago, over thirty years ago now, that I, you know, that bond is there. It doesn't yeah. go away. Ann Arbor, the that movie, The Big Chill with. I mean that that kind of speaks to how we're yeah. to that place. Yeah, football yeah. was better back then, but yeah, I mean I moved out west twenty years ago, you know, into Seattle, and then our alumni club out there is you know twelve thousand members in the Seattle area. It's the second largest, which I never did the alumni association. I lived in Michigan, you know, I didn't need to do that. But they, when I moved out, I was like, oh my god, I couldn't believe it. It's like everywhere you go, you find yeah. a problem. I was when I, two weeks after I graduated. I was in New York City, and that's immediately what I gravitated to. Um, was the U of M club in New York? And I, yeah, vice. I was an officer, vice president of the club, and my best friend was president. And you know, we organized activities. We had yeah. a good time, but it was all tied around University of Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got one last question. How many? That's a big football stadium now. How many people does that hold? Um, hundred thousand now. As is hundred twelve and change. Oh god, that's big. That's and, big. And, and COVID is going to be. It's been what sixty years of consecutive sellouts. Hundred thousand plus crowds. That's going to end this year. Looks yeah, like it'll end, but there'll be an asterisk because. There's no football games that are going to be played. 
I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think there'll be anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's good All stuff. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I just want to thank you again, Walter. Uh, I, for everybody that's listening to the roundtable, we've got Walter Crosby here with Helix Sales Development. Um, if you want to get a hold of him, waltercrosby.com. Also check out the comments. I'm going to put the, a, a link to his profile and, and reach out to me if you if you can get a hold of him because I can. So <laughs> we'll put you in touch. Guys, really, thank you. I appreciate the, the opportunity. I always love the conversations. Oh, thank it's awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you.